Hello, welcome to the Light Reading Podcast. I'm Phil Harvey. I'm an editor here at Light Reading. I'm Kelsey Zeiser. I'm also an editor at Light Reading. I'm Samir Marwa. I'm Chief Strategy Officer at Sandmine. Samir, thank you for so much for uh, taking the time to uh, talk to us today. It's good to be here, Phil. And Sandvine is, uh, as you may have already heard, is coming out with its Global Internet Phenomena Report. And this report is a Herculean effort uh, with a bunch of uh, interesting facts about how we use the internet now. And I don't remember how many years the company's been doing this, but it seems like it's been out there a while. It has been. Um, I joined the company four years ago when we merged uh, Procera Networks and, and Sandvine and retained the name Sandvine. And this was one of the assets that Sandvine even had prior to the merger. So it's at least been five years, likely more. Yeah. And and reports like this are great for, uh, 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 for I guess, consumers of internet data like we are, because we're always um, covering the various service providers individually and you know, they talk about their own networks. It's very helpful to us once in a while to step back and see what's happening in the world at large and then to apply some data to it and sort of see what, um, you know, where things are changing. Um, so let's get right into it. My first question is about the data itself. Um, how do you pull it all together and where does that data come from? Yeah, in this report that we're releasing, uh, Phil, we have taken... Uh, aggregated data from about 160 service providers across the globe. This is a combination of fixed mobile satellite um, and, and mobile service providers globally. And we, you would see that um, it's really um, not, but there's no significant data from China and India. So it's a little bit normalized data um, and uh, it's aggregated and it gives us a good view across the globe on what's going on over the internet. As you said, we do this for our service provider customers and we do it for industry in large, uh, just as goodwill because we know what applications are going. There's a lot of reports out there. You know, Cisco does internet traffic report. Ericsson does a mobility report. Uh, but this is unique in the sense that it provides application or um, uh, visibility into what exactly is being carried over that traffic. Okay, that yeah, makes sense. The report also um, has some information about um, bandwidth usage and um, power users, which I always kind of love that phrase. It sounds really important. <laughs> power <laughs> users. So, what what constitutes a, a power user? How much how much bandwidth are they typically using? And um, do you have any insight on um, you know where those folks are located, for example. You can tell the power users because of the costumes they wear to work. <laughs> that's, exactly. that's how I tell them apart. Yeah. The costumes. They have capes. Yeah, exactly. No, uh, good question, Kelsey. So power users in the traditional sense were uh, heavy users of the uh, internet or, or the networks themselves. In the past, uh, traditional uh, way of looking at it was peak hour usage and who's using during the peak hours. Now the whole world has changed in the sense that in pandemic, we have a lot more power users and the definition of power users continues to change as well. Now we have a lot more terabit users, people who are using terabits every month. Uh, that used to be just inconceivable just a few years ago. Now we even see in North America about 30% of the networks 
um, have people using about three terabytes per month, uh, which is extremely high usage. And it's understandable with what's going on with people working from home and entertainment from home and learning from home. So um, the usage, the shift has uh, occurred where we're seeing a lot more heavy users. Uh, from our pre previous report, there's a significant increase in people who are using terabit or more. Mm -hmm. So yeah, people working and while playing video games? No, yeah. <laughs> hopefully <Okay>. not. <laughs> Exactly. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, um, I uh, yeah. What's interesting too is that with you know the, the in the pandemic when um, you know we thought we we think we're kind of past it as far as uh, you know lockdowns and people being on Zoom and stuff like that. But with the latest variant, what's what seems to be happening is you know more kids are are catching the less severe version of COVID, but they're and they're still having to quarantine for ten days, five days, or whatever it is. So they're still having to do some school at home and whatever. So there, there's at any given moment, it seems like there's a there's some percentage of you know an entire student body in a school or a college that is still you know remote learning or or plugged in remotely, and that means they're on Zoom, doing video chats multiple hours a day. That means they're doing Google Classroom and they have other you know file transfer things back and forth, back and forth as they're editing documents and that sort of thing. So. It's not surprising to me that that so many people have turned to power users, and I definitely don't see that changing. Uh, you know, just in the school example, even when, um, e even when more people go and attend in person class, it seems like there's still um, th those mechanisms that are going to kind of continue to be with us uh, past lockdown and everything else. Agreed, um, and they're using um, uh, their in app usage, as you mentioned, Zoom and games and entertainment, they're spending at least on average five hours a day, which is a huge uh, increase in terms of amount of hours spent in applications, not just the terabyte bits and the bandwidth going, but uh, the consumption hours has increased significantly as well. And to your point, it's not likely to change uh, in any time near future. Yeah. And I think the video component to that is also interesting because so much of learning now and, and work is video based. Just a few years ago, it was definitely all phone systems and, uh, you know, VoIP calls and things like that. Um, what is, uh, what does the report show about how the use of video is affecting fixed and mobile networks and then what, you know, kinds of apps and, and companies are having the most impact on that trend? Yeah, um, so the report does go into it, uh, Phil. Um, the video, as we call it, is a major trend as video is everywhere. And what I mean by that is it's now embedded in pretty much every application. So it's not just video on its own or, or just the entertainment with Netflix downloads or YouTube short videos. It's also in pretty much every messaging app we use, the Facebook video it's in the industrial robotics, there's video. In surveillance cameras, there's video. Um, so it's literally everywhere. And um, you would see in the report that about 54% uh, of the traffic is video globally. And then it, the second uh, highest is uh, social, which comes down to 13%. So there's a huge gap in, in the leading uh, application versus the second one. So video usage is, is uh, significant and it will continue to grow. Um, in terms of trends, uh, you asked, so YouTube had been uh, number one application globally in the past. 
Um, and it still is majority of the traffic share. It's about 15% of the traffic share. But if you look at regional trends, we see in North America, uh, Netflix is now the number one application. Same in, in EMEA as well. So it's overtaken YouTube um, in terms of uh, usage in those regions. In, in Asia Pacific, uh, Facebook has become number one uh, application because they put a little bit more emphasis on social uh, sharing than, than we do. So uh, there's some interesting trends that you will see in the report uh, in terms of rankings of applications across the globe. I'm definitely guilty contributing to that uh, Netflix amount. <laughs> yeah, I think we all <laughs> Just are. finished Archive 81. That was really good. But yeah, uh, yeah. anyway, the um, the report also talks about uh, kind of the, the big six um, tech companies and how they're um, combined using about 57% of internet traffic, which is uh, huge. <laughs> so can you talk a little bit about um, what kind of impact that that has on service provider networks? Yeah, Kelsey, it's uh, this is what we call a tipping point in the report. And we've called it in our blogs as a watershed moment because the top six guys, you can Think of these as, uh, you know, the Facebook, the Apple, Netflix, Google, Microsoft, and Amazon. Those six guys were about 43% of the traffic, which on its own was sizable uh, two years ago. And now they're 57%. So they've gone over that more than half the traffic on the internet is from six players uh, globally compared to everything else combined. So you can see that these guys are having a major impact on service provider networks. We saw um, about 13 CEOs in Europe wrote an open letter that they would like a fair return on investments because they're having to continuously and intensively spend CapEx uh, so they can give better quality of experience to their subscribers, uh, but the profitability goes more towards these uh, application providers than the bandwidth providers. So this is a, a sizable you know, shift. Um, the trend has been going on forever. So the trend is not new, uh, but now past the half the traffic being from these six folks, uh, there's a significant impact to the networks and they can't continue to run the business they have in the past. Uh, they have to do some business model shifts. They have to do transformation in their businesses. Uh, they need fairer return on their investments. So we, I, I do expect that there will be some uh, monetization efforts. There may be some uh, sharing of revenue uh, that needs to happen. So some things will change. Um, and uh, the traditional methods of first determining what's going over their network, secondly, providing the right application experience to their subscribers, and then monetization efforts, they all will uh, evolve as we go forward because this problem will only get worse with 5G. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a great point. I, I think it's interesting too to kind of point out the whole, um, like the report does. The, the, the I mean, you can definitely tell the way we consume uh, the internet has changed in in, in my day a hundred years ago. We would always do the, um, you know, you were always going out for information. You were out seeking. You were visiting websites, reading mm -hmm. something short or watching something short. Then you were visiting another website and then visiting another website. That's why these. At one time, a lot of these companies put up uh, portals because they were just the kind of these like collection points. I mean, Yahoo 
basically became popular because it was an easy place to be a launch pad to all these other sites that you were visiting. Now it seems like it's gone completely the opposite. Everybody um, has one or two of their favorite apps and they spend all their time there. Um, so I, I wanted to talk a little bit about that phenomena as a um, as a trend. This in uh, the report uses a term called app complexity, um, and then it talks about uh, the quick protocol. Um, what? Uh, why are the apps becoming more complex? And then how does this complexity um, influence you know internet traffic and also service provider networks? Good question, Phil. So the application complexity comes from different mashups of applications. Uh, just take an example. Take Uber as an example. Uber has its own app, but then embedded in it, there's payments, there's maps, there's messaging. Uh, so you take all these things, even in Skype, uh, you would see single flow between video and voice for low latency. So these apps have so much embedded in them, uh, which are you know, theoretically application on its own under an application. So that complexity, um, it really, you can't just say that, hey, I have uh, Uber going on in my network. You really need to understand what's going on under it. Uh, so you can provide the right latency pay payments or maps may require better latency than uh, other applications like Uber Eats. So you have to understand first what's going on, and then you can apply the right policies to provide better experience to the service providers, uh, to their service providers, to their customers. So um, this is something the report looks into um, on a quick protocol you brought up. Quick is now uh, getting more and more prevalent. We saw a North American uh, network. 30% of the traffic being quick, and we saw 16% in Asia Pacific. So it's becoming a significant part of the traffic. And you, uh, with, the, with the quick and then encryption and other uh, privacy efforts that are going on, you see Apple's, uh, Apple Cloud's uh, private relay network, you, you, you're trying, starting to lose visibility into what's going on. So you need better and more sophisticated ways to classify and see what exactly is going on in your network underneath these protocols. So uh, whether it's quick parser, whether it's using AI, there's other methods available to tell the service provider exactly what's going on. And then they can decide what to do about it, how to monetize it, how to optimize it for better uh, experience for their customers. Yeah, it's interesting too with a quick protocol, because it's, it's only, it, it's basically kind of like this, um, way of multiplexing traffic together, um, you know, and, and putting it into one wrapper. Um, the folks that, you know, in, in our audience that are traditional uh, optical networking folks will understand, <laughs> you know, the old school telecom sort of uh, analogy uh, holds up. But what's what was interesting to me is, I, I you know, Quick has just been around since like, I think it was 2013 or so, you know, 2013, 2014, some, somewhere in there not that long ago and all of a sudden it's you know a third of of uh of the traffic that's going across the internet so it's it's a, it's it's had a meteoric rise and i think that's also um you know given service provider technology evaluation and buying cycles that's also maybe put them at a bit of a disadvantage in terms of dealing with it that's right that's right you have measured the top six players we've talked about a lot of them are turning on quick protocol and service providers are having to deal with that mm -hmm. 
Um, and you know, you mentioned um, visibility, and so do all these things that we've we've talked about today. Um, does this change how service providers should measure traffic, or is this something that you know the cloud providers should be doing since they're kind of taking over a lot anyway? <laughs> just just give it to them. They've, do, they've, done, yeah. they've done everything else, you know, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, cloud is is a um, completely different. Uh, topic in the sense it's happening, it's happening at the edge, it's happening at the core and service providers are, you know, basically moving towards a hybrid cloud strategy of what needs to be done on their premise uh, for privacy reasons and what can be offloaded to the public cloud. So there's a public slash private cloud debate. But um, to your point on, you know, what should service providers and even cloud providers uh, should be focusing on? And in my mind, uh, their brand, service providers' brand, is really how the application is being experienced by their users. So um, when I'm on on my network or watching Netflix or I'm on Zoom or I'm working, um, I my experience is how I feel from using that application. And when you when there were outages, uh, Kelsey, when Facebook had an uh, outage, uh, Amazon Web Services had outage, Tesla has had an outage. And when these outages happen, um, the end users typically are frustrated at their service provider. Uh, the calls are going to the call centers and service providers, and they're most, more likely to change their network uh, service provider than they are on the application itself. Uh, we saw a lot of, when, during the Facebook outage, we saw a lot of the traffic shifted to YouTube and TikTok. Um, we see clear graphs that that's, you know, it was interesting to see within 15 minutes, uh, people shifted to those applications. Uh, and when Facebook came back, a lot of them returned, but some of them did not. Um, so there's there's a short-term and long-term consequences to outages. And so my point is that, you know, from service provider perspective, they have to worry about their brand. And their brand is, you know, rightfully or wrongfully being measured by how subscribers feel about an application they're using. Hmm. Boy, that's that that that's a kind of dire for them. <laughs> because, yeah, that's a lot I, of I have, responsibility. <laughs> it, it is. Well, I have those conversations though. It's like when you're when you're standing outside of a let's say a hotel or something, and a bunch of people are on their ride sharing apps, you know, or even at an airport, especially because those are pretty congested uh, areas. You know, you'll invariably you'll hear somebody complaining about their service, and what it could also be, I mean, very likely, is that a whole cluster of people just open the app at the same time. And, you know, the messaging just isn't, the, the maps aren't refreshed quickly enough. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's still sort of putting the data in the right place and getting ready to display or route people or do whatever, you know, you have to be these days, you have to be a little patient with that because these things kind of come in waves and clusters and stuff like that. Um, ho- hopefully 5g will alleviate some of that, but I still think that, I still think we're going to be accidentally blaming the network for app problems <laughs> for for quite some time. And uh, I I guess my, you know, it doesn't really uh, say it explicitly, but in the report, or, or, you know, can somebody take this data and kind of, uh, you know, can a service provider sort of take some sort of action to help that situation along so that they're not getting blamed as much for what's going on over their network? Yeah, I mean, uh, the service providers that we've been talking to about the report, um, they they agree with that, yeah, this is a trend. We're seeing this uh, application usage more than the other. 
Uh, we're seeing this kind of trend. So they're using it more for overall planning, but it cannot be, this is not a personal service provider data in the report. The report itself is aggregated data across the globe, but service providers can uh, ask us to do a specific model for them using their data if they're willing to, to share it. Um, and, and yes, they can use that information to do better planning, better CapEx uh, utilization in many cases, better traffic management so they can defer the capex. Fantastic. Okay, well I think we'll uh, we'll, we'll leave it there. We're we're cr- uh, soon to cross over the 20 minute mark and Samir you've been uh, uh thanks thanks for your uh, uh time and patience and putting up with our our questions and our nonsense and uh for <laughs> folks who want to uh, check out the report, we'll have a link in the show notes, but also you can always go to sandvine.com and I'm sure they'll they'll route you around to to find the report. Um Uh, And I think that's it. Uh, Thanks so much for being on the podcast. Thanks, Phil. Thanks, Kelsey. Yeah, thank you. Pleasure.